Lead and empower her with Dr. Julie Ducharme, the show that takes you around the world to share interviews with some of the most successful and relevant people on the planet. Hear their stories and get the most important business lessons they have learned on their road to success and get exclusive advice on how to implement their success into your life and business. Lead and empower her with Dr. Julie Ducharme is brought to you by the Strategic Advisor Board and your host, Dr. Julie Ducharme. Hi, welcome to She CEOs. I'm Dr. Julie Ducharme back for another episode, my favorite podcast to do because I get to talk with women around the world who are rocking it in their industry, being the CEO of that. And today I have with me Emma Berry. Emma is a Kiwi girl born in London, now living in LA. Of course, she's everywhere right now. I don't even know what where you're at right now. I think you're somewhere and not in LA. Um, She started her career in fitness industry, where she's been called the Oprah of health and fitness, amassing a portfolio of work encompassing media, consultancy, and advisory roles, extending far beyond fitness. She's been called upon to catalyze growth, accelerate change, and agitate an explosion of creativity and discovery for massive global brands across industries, geographies, and structures. And I love that you also are unapologetically you, which we'll talk more about because you have your website about being bad, but being good. So we'll talk more about that. But um, so you guys know, Emma and I just met recently and we hit it off and I'm putting her on the front of our magazine and I love what she's doing. And as you ladies know, who are listening, something I really love is, is talking with women from all around the world. And Emma, you've been all over the world. You've been in London. I think you're in New Zealand right now. Are you in New Zealand right now? I am. I'm actually standing in my nan's uh, laundry in New Zealand. I've been down here for a couple of months, first time in four years. So this is yeah. one of my many homes around the world, but delighted to be with, to be with you today. Yeah. So we're just going to talk about, I mean, you've got, I mean, I could have kept a reading, like you have an amazing portfolio. Um, I think like all of us overachievers, you know, we get a seven page resume because that's what we do. And of course, I don't want to steal too much of your story because I was also reading uh, what Tia wrote and your story. And so um, I like for our listeners to just take, go back a little bit and talk about like where it all started. Um, so they have a bit of an idea of where it started and then we'll move to the present. Oh, look, uh, thanks for having me on. Um, and hi, listeners. It's, I just love this network and I love that we've become fast friends, Julie. It's just, um, it's amazing. So really, I was born in London and uh, brought up in New Zealand and uh, currently live in Los Angeles. So I do blame my parents. I think they probably instilled the travel bug in me and I somehow landed in between those two hometowns of mine. So really, I was going to become New Zealand's leading defence lawyer. That didn't work out and that was probably the first catastrophe in my life. But I did find my way to the fitness industry where I've sort of devoted uh, sort of 30 years of my uh, corporate life, I guess, uh, working with the uh, a giant in fitness, Les Mills, for 25 years. So that also took me around the world. I was one of the earlier, uh, one of the first five international master trainers. So throughout our process, we're now in over 100 countries. So there was a lot of travel. There was, and I was in the bad old pioneering days. So we had the backpack, we were in the shitty seats on the plane, you know, staying in the two-star hotels. But you wouldn't trade those days for the world, right? Like there was a lot of alcohol. We were doing all the things it was back in the slightly non-politically correct day, so we probably had a lot more fun than people appear to be having today now that they don't drink, don't go out, um, you know, sort of sit there and recover all day long. So I am always a pioneer, and that probably has blazed my path. I get very bored very quickly. So once something turns into a system and corporatizes, I sort of exit stage left 
onto something a little bit more exciting. So I've always enjoyed the bleeding edge. So um, lived in New Zealand for a while, travelled a lot, uh, went on a couple of big trips to the US. And then on one, when we returned to New Zealand, we decided to apply for green cards. And uh, we won those as a family, which is a thing in the diversity lottery. And we've just sort of spent the last, or just 10 years exactly, almost to the day, that we've lived in California, which uh, was a great idea at the time, and we've loved it, but it's been the hardest thing we've done, it's been fun, it's been awesome, it's been awful. Uh, no one warns you, when you live in New Zealand, you pay your taxes and then pretty much everything's provided, you know, your schooling's covered, your health is covered, you know, everyone's pretty nice, you're, some people even leave their doors unlocked, <laughs> you know, all of these things. You move to the States and it's a slightly bigger beast. I love the US because I love roughing it up in a bigger pond where I'm almost drowning. <laughs> but yeah. I'm learning those lessons of life super fast. So here we are 10 years in. My whole life has really been in group fitness. And then more recently in the last decade, I've spun more to luxury lifestyle. So I had the great pleasure of working for Les Mills, uh, for Equinox, for a huge big HVLP, um, high volume, uh, low price chain, the, the fastest growing one in Europe in basic fit. So just have sort of been all over the category and spent a lot of time in the fitness technology space and the eventing space for health, fitness and technology. So still managed to get around the world, still managed to meet a lot of people. So I'd say I'm really good at connecting people and then catalyzing. So I like to sort of put the energy and the passion and also remind people and businesses of their awesome source, like what they're great at. I help people remind them about their purpose and then their passion for doing what they do. So I'll often be sort of the little spark in the room that just uh, gets people sort of heading in the right direction. I hate having the same conversation twice. So that's the only thing I will say to anyone who's going to work with me. <laughs> well, I love that. And gosh, if we're in a room together, it's going to be like blazing. So like, I'm I, like, we're going to have to tell people like, bring the fire extinguishers. We're both coming together. <laughs> but yeah. I love that. And and I think that's why we hit it off because um, like you, I have a passion. Obviously I, I did more of the sports side at first um, and then moved into business. But um, just as you were talking about living in California, um, just, yeah, because I live here in Coronado, which is not the most expensive place in California, but it's definitely up there. And we love it. Like you said, we love living on the water and on the beaches and we love it. But at the same time, yeah, we have to work really hard to maintain that. And um, it, you're right. It's so different. I've, I've gotten a chance. You probably traveled much more of the world than I have. But the, the parts I have gotten to just the, the difference in the culture, um, California is almost like its own country. <laughs> Right, <laughs> like compared to compared to the other states, so I get that. Well, in in your journey, I always like to talk about. Obviously, we've seen so much of your success, and I don't like to harp on failures or barriers, but I love to talk about how you transcended those because I think that's really important for one women who are trying to move into any industry. You know, whether it be the industry you're in or another one. Um, I think we face similar barriers and how we get around those because there, and there might be someone too, who's maybe in the midst of it right now. So I'd love to talk about some of those that you feel comfortable talking about and just maybe how you step past them or worked past them. Yeah. So I think, you know, in, you know, hindsight, wonderful thing, right. But when I look back and, and every 
person who's in the education system will tell you this. They'll say, you know, if you win too easily and you win your whole life, sure, you know, it'll be fun and you'll be on the gravy train for a while. But it really is in those tough moments that you truly get the lessons and you truly get some huge wake-up calls or some pushback. So the way that I look at challenges, especially looking back and knowing myself going forward, so the first thing I say is know yourself. I, when something hits me, so, you know, I think in the article I talk about, you know, I've been passed over, I've been fired, I've, you know, had, you know, my team be bullied, you know, things like this. What I know about myself is that I, because I'm at the bleeding edge, I feel things really early and really hard. So if I come up against a big challenge, like one of those things, I go into a hole really deep and really hard for about 24 hours. So I know that I get the whole overwhelm of holy shit and, you know, all of that, mm-hmm. you know, because it's it's not great. You know, we don't like, typically, we don't like getting feedback, especially when it's of that magnitude. So I know my process is to take it on, to go deep, and then give me 24 hours, and I pretty quickly started digging out of it. Now, not everyone's like that. You know, I, my husband, for example, he takes a long time to process and he takes a longer time to slowly write whatever that means in the world. So I'm like going in deep and coming out and moving on. He's still getting it. I've moved on. So I think there's know thyself. Um, and then when I look at each of those situations, always something more magnificent comes from that. I have a big awakening. I change something about myself that I needed to change or I step into another opportunity. I referenced before not becoming the lawyer. I failed two law exams, not failed them, but I didn't get the straight A average you needed, but I had great internals. But what that did was it shut that path to me, gave me some of the learnings of being a lawyer, i.e. can you see both sides? Can you debate? Can you think critically? But it put me in the right industry because I think sitting behind a pile of paper for the rest of my life was never going to be me. So in a way, it was the universe sort of giving me I've always had a bit of the gift of the gab so I could get around the language, but that wasn't meant to be for me. So I think that is an example, pushed me onto the right track. The people stuff's a little bit ickier because you're dealing with emotions, yours, theirs, everyone's. And I think having spent 10, over 10 years, 15 years in, in HR and a lot of the people and culture stuff, having been a master trainer where you're on the road coaching people into their greatness, I don't underestimate the power of personal development, you know, done NLP, done forum, done, you know, done all the things through the years, whatever was called at the time, done everything from Anthony Robbins to personal coaches to masterminds, all the things that I know people on this on this podcast do. It really catches up with you because sometimes when I catch up with friends, Love them, love everybody, no judgment, but you're still talking to that little seven-year-old girl or you're still talking to that little seven-year-old boy and you acknowledge it and you're lovely and you have that relationship, but you're just also like, oh, okay, you're, you're back there and you never move on, moved on. So I think that's the, the greatest thing and anyone who's in a leadership position has had to develop these skills. We've had a pandemic, we've got, you know, an edge of recessions, you know, all of these things. You just can't survive unless you're feeding self. So I think always be personal development and and you'll know the teacher always appears. (laughs) You know, there's always a coach or a mastermind you want to join. I always pick up that rock and go for it. So I've always got something going, a mastermind, you know, a group, um, coaching, always have something going and that will just shift over time depending on whether I'm shifting into a new job or out of it. Um, So know thyself, use the tools, but also know that in those toughest times you will survive 
and you'll get the biggest step up into the next whatever that is. And I think the hardest thing is not knowing. So it's having a bit of trust. You know, whatever your spirituality, whatever your energetic connection is with your journey, just there's only so many things you can control, right? So just just let it be. It's going to be fine. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. I love hearing that because I like to say I'm an adaptable leader. Um, I mean, especially over the last 10 years, you talk about like going deep and getting over something. And, and, and part of my story, I talk about at, at a young age, um, you know, I had been told some really rough things about succeeding that I couldn't succeed. And I really held on to that for the first 10 years, I would say, you know, I was sitting 29 or 30 and it was always in the back of my mind. <clears throat> and I always say, I think this is why I have, you know, seven or eight page resume because I was just like, oh, I'm going to prove that person right. And the person who said to me could care less about me. They didn't care about me. And why, why did I care about them when I had so many friends and family members saying the opposite? But then I learned that I had to be adaptive. Like you, I had to take it in, shake it off, and then move forward. Or I was never going to be successful in the industry I was in. I had to have thick skin. Um, and it's funny because I learned having thick skin as an athlete, right? You don't cry on the court. You play. You suck it up. You adapt. You do it. And I, I attribute sports to really creating me as the leader I am today. But still, you know, it, it's that rough part. I really wanted people to like me. And it bothered me when people didn't like me. And, and then I had to realize one day, like, it's not me, it's them. It could be someone else. And so I like when you talk about, like, you take it in, you figure it out, and then you're like, okay, let's go, you know? And I think 24 hours is a great period of time. Um, your husband sounds similar to mine. He, my husband has to process it for a while. And oftentimes I'll be like, are you still thinking on that? Like, dude, get over that. And then he'll be like, you're so mean. And I'm like, no, it's just not worth the time anymore. But I try and be respectful because everyone has a different processing time. And mine took time to, to figure out when I was young, everything bothered me. Why is this person not like me? You know, now in my older years, I'm like, okay, whatever. You know, you said you don't like me. I don't care. Um, <laughs> You know, <laughs> but I love that you say that because it's true. I mean, I think that if you want to be on top, if you want to be successful, as you mentioned, we have to take it in stride. All right. If everything like levels us, we're never going to go. And I think that's the difference between the people who make it up there and get to the top and the people who don't, you know, I mean, I'm sure you've had incredibly mean things said to you. I'm sure you've been stabbed in the back. I'm sure you've been overlooked for positions that you should have had, you know, just like many of us had, but you took it in stride and, you know, you look back now and, and, and like you said, you'd never change, right? Like those times, right? We look back at those times. We're like, oh my God, I was like so young. I was so stupid. Oh, I can't believe I did that. Thank God there was an internet back then. Um, I say that a lot about, <laughs> oh, oh, can you imagine? Oh my goodness. Yeah. No, okay, over and over. Yeah. 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 <laughs> thank God there was no cell phones and not really much of an internet. Right. Um, but I love that because I mean, as young women are listening to us, right? I remember I had, I had to build my skin up. I had to, there were some pretty devastating things like you mentioned. And I, and I had to have another woman say to me, listen, you just got to get over it and you got to move forward, you know? So I love that. Um, what are some tips? And you, you did give some tips right now, but, um, obviously maybe tips for women who are thinking, I want to move into a higher level job. I want to be a CEO. Um, can you offer some general tips for women who are wanting to just move into that type of world? Yes, for sure. So it's about, um, you know, the five people. I mean, it's a little bit of that. You have to change the circle of influence that you're in. 
And also, I would always say, if it's a new area and you know that it's a big step up and you know that there will be gaps, is I would definitely be finding a mentor who kills that category, who could just um, help accelerate things. I would go on a listening tour. There's a whole bunch of stuff um, that you can just learn by listening. So if you say if you're stepping from a fairly senior role into a leadership role, or maybe you're changing companies or something like that, I would very quickly, because I always believe there's at least one to three people that you could ring now to get you off this, this area of I don't know what I'm doing or I'm feeling a little bit stuck or I need to step up. There must be someone you can call um, to actually help you towards that journey. So I would immediately do that because I think the fastest way to get there is someone who has done it before and maybe several times and they're able to show you the ropes. Because here's the big dirty secret, no one has it all sorted. Every yeah. CEO in the world, every person, we're all just human. We cannot have mastered all the things and be amazing at all the things. No one is liked by everybody. Everyone has a style. It rubs up against other styles. You're just never going to... You have people that are well-liked. You have people that are very good at being out there. Some of the best leaders are actually the quiet, unassuming ones that are in the background, but just guiding things. So I would say get a mentor change your group you know you have to join like the fastest way to understand the art of what you're doing is a mastermind of people doing what you're doing but then I would also get someone who can keep stretching you from maybe a little bit outside your lane because that's where the personal development and things like that comes in and then I would just make sure that you're managing the set of things because taking on or stepping up can be very overwhelming because there's a whole lot of unknowns. You're like, oh, I don't know that, and I don't know that, and I don't have the business work, I don't have the skill set, I'm not that good at that. So you've just got to prioritise and just say, and like you said, you know, different leaders for different times. We've had war times, pandemic times, peaceful times. These are different leadership styles. Get very clear on what is required right now. I have been given this opportunity. The change I'm expected to make is... Is it to grow a team, shrink a team, uh, change direction, um, find out if there's product market fit? These are all different um, different remits. And so I get very clear, what is the one thing I am being hired to do? And then think, right, what support do I need to get to that place? So that's how I would always take on a new thing. Listen for a while. Also acknowledge that you have fresh eyes. And I think fresh eyes, and we always say this um, worked for 10 years in people and culture back in, in New Zealand with Les Mills. Always with a new person coming to a situation sees so many things that the furniture has assumed, that assumes after a while. So there's power in seeing things freshly uh, because we're in times where any industry can contribute to any other industry by bringing in concepts or things that have worked over there. And I think those are things that you can bring that no one else can. Mm. I'm new to the role. I'm going to be talking to you all. Um, but also, I'm just going to be calling out what I see. And I'd like to get some answers from the team and see if there's any opportunities here to make it an even better place, working environment, you know, whatever it is. So that yeah. those would be tips. I love that. I, I think that, and I don't know if you had this issue, but obviously when I first started out as a young leader, I felt that if I asked for help, if I appeared to not know what I was doing, that that would make me weaker. And I, I even really tried to stay away from being vulnerable. I basically tried to adopt the style of my male counterparts. I was the only female. I didn't have any mentors. Like you said, I wish I would have done that. And so it was a struggle at first trying to really 
take in. And I had big positions at a young age, you know? And so I'm working with these, you know, gurus in the industry and it was a real struggle me trying to figure that out. Now today, things have really shifted over the last 25 years. Vulnerability and emotional intelligence are a key aspect of leaders. And if you don't have it, you're now considered someone that they don't want. And the more, it seems to me, the more you humanize yourself as a leader, the better results you're getting, especially with our new generation. They're very different than the um, older generation that I started working with, the baby boomers. You know, it was a very different world. And I love that because no matter what, whether I, I wanted a female mentor, but I couldn't find one. So I eventually found a male mentor because I knew if anything, he could at least guide me on, like you said, on the gaps, what I'm missing. How do I deal with men the age of my father? I'm yes. supposed to be their boss, their leader. And I remember having this moment where I was going to have to deal with someone in a disciplinary manner. And I remember going, saying to one of my colleagues, how in the heck do I bring this man in the age of my father? I've always been taught to respect my elders and discipline him. You know, when I'm 20, I'm the age of a daughter for him. So I remember, you know, just it made suffer such a difference. And so one of my colleagues said, you should bring in your counterpart. That's the same. That's around the same age. So you have two people in the room, you know, so that way it's a very like, no matter what happens, you have a witness, blah, 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 blah. And it was good. But like you said, I, I think that coming from that generation, I was first trained, don't be vulnerable, be like a guy, you know, don't show emotional intelligence, don't act like a woman. And of course, as you probably know, you've seen my pictures, I'm now in pink tutus and you know, you're, you're in leopard print and we're like, dude, screw this. Like, you know, this is me. And, and, and when I finally did have that epiphany where I finally was like, you know what? I can't do this. Like, I just got to be me and I got to lead the way that I lead. And if I don't, oh, well, and it was funny. It was so well, well received, Emma. Like I was shocked. I was like, you, you like me like this? <laughs> like, I was like, what? And it was refreshing to them. Not because my leadership was better than my male counterparts. It was different and it had a different perspective and I could help bring in new innovative ideas and just a different mind. And so I love what you're saying because it's so true. Like we need the mentors. We need the perspective. We need to say, like you said, Hey, I want to, you know, talk to team. What's going on? What do you guys love? I mean, it's such good advice. Um, we always tell women that they need to get a seat at the table, right? But yeah. do we ever tell them how to get to that seat at the table? And when they're at the table, what do they do? <laughs> right. <laughs> cause, cause I remember I got my seat and I was like, what do I do now? You know, and I was reading books and everything I could to just educate myself. Um, but you know, 25 years ago, there weren't a lot of women out there writing books about it. You know, people like Sharon Lecter, who's, I think she just turned 70. And I know Sharon and she's a guru in the industry of obviously finance and those areas. But I remember I interviewed her and she was like, listen, there was none of this like equal stuff or anything like that. She's like, you just had to do it, like grind, get to the table, fight for your spot. There was no books. There was no nothing. And, um, you know, I think that's really changed, changed now. Obviously women like you and I are out there trying to make a difference. There's books and stuff. So I love that because we, we have to, I feel a burden to help educate and guide are younger women who are looking to go into leadership or just that we want in leadership. I feel that there's a lot of junk out there. I don't know how you feel. I feel like there's a lot of junk out there misguiding our youth and that 
you know, I feel like I need to, to be out there helping guide our youth because they're our future leaders. And right now I'm kind of like, God help us if that's our future leader. I mean, just being totally transparent. I haven't been completely impressed by what's guiding our youth. And I, I know that's like a total subtopic out there. Um, but, uh, I think that's amazing what you're talking about now. Um, we always say hindsight is 2020, right? Like we look back and, oh God, like you said, thank God there were no cameras. There was no internet. Cause my daughter who is now 15 will be like, so mom, blah, blah, blah. What did you do? And I'll be like, I'll have that moment of remembering it. And I'll be like, yeah, I, I never did anything like that. You know? like, <laughs> oh, my kids know I did. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I don't think I'm ready to have that discussion yet with you. Like, I mean, we'll, we'll laugh about it. They do know that their dad, in order to get my attention, you'll laugh. So my husband was dashed to get my attention when he wanted to date me. So he mooned me. And they think that that is like the funniest thing ever. I almost drove off the road. He was in another car with a buddy. And this is a typical guy, right? Listen, I know how I'll get her attention. I'll totally show her my bare butt. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, so we know all his stuff. Right. <laughs> so, but I want to ask you, right? Because I, I think about this all the time for myself. I remember the young version. So if you could go back to the young version of you and you could say and give yourself advice, what would it be? You know, it's funny. When I look back, I sort of, and I, I find myself telling my kids this, I've sort of got Gen Z kids now, three of them sort of going in different paths. And I try to say, look, there's, there would, there's an age and phase for everything. So you're going to feel different urges and different things are going to be important to you I think by decade and it might be changing a little bit because we had like you said I spent the first half of my career literally being a male and I think that's that was what we had to do uh, I'm not a raving feminist in the sense that I think it's all women and screw the men it's not that I just of course I think the right idea should win I think people should be heard but I definitely divide my career into two halves one is just operating like the boys and like you because I was tall strapping and back in the day I could bench press as much as the guys I didn't even think about that but those physical attributes for me meant that I could walk into a room and not feel intimidated I always spoke my mind so I'll be one of the first three people to voice my opinion on something these are you know you can't really do it these days but these are male traits you know being able to go in and be, I was always fun and that sort of thing but if you're like um, an introvert and maybe you're very smart but you don't like speaking up or maybe you're of a smaller frame I look back at my career and I think unless you're really bolshy it wouldn't have been the same thing then the second half I think has just been realizing who you are and the power of being a woman if you can have the physicality speak up know you know who you are you know some of these male traits even though they're not we're not gendering anything now but the point is that was the way the world was, you know, um, and then just really trying to find yourself and realizing if you can take the stage and be a little bit sassy and use all your EQ and still be powerful and tell a story, holy shit, like that power, right? But it's only really coming in now. I mean, look at some of the political leaders around the world, these beautiful young women who are just coming up and leading countries at 30 something. So you're beginning to see that sort of leadership come through. So I would tell my younger self the same thing I tell my kids. There will be an age and phase for everything. When you're, you know, expect your 20s to be a shit show. You don't know what you're going to be doing with the rest of your life. Just enjoy trying some stuff. It's going to feel confusing, but cut yourself some slack. You know, I tell them, you know, in my life, I was 
is probably going to have 13 zigzags in my career. In your life, you're going to have at least 30. So, you know, just talking to my daughter the other day in tears, I don't really know if I'm doing the right degree at college, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, babe, chill. This is not going to define you for the rest of your life. Get some skills, dedicate yourself, see something out, and then see if it fits you. You are just an experiment. And I don't mean just, I mean just, just experiment. There's going to be change. And just apply, you know, do I have a passion for this? Do I not have a passion for this? So that's your 20s. 30s, you've got to start probably getting quite good at something really good at something usually and then by 40 you, you could have if you've dedicated a bit of time you're going to be nailing something you know and then the lovely thing that happens as you age and this is what I tell my kids you're not always worried I know you can't believe it now but people actually don't really give a shit about you so you're going to start worrying a little bit less about image and being liked and you're actually going to step into your full power so welcome your older years too and I don't think we talk about this enough the wisdom of our elders you know, we, what do we do? We lock them off and put them off in old people's homes and cut the kids off from them. And it's bullshit. You know, we've got to every age. Look at the beautiful indigenous people. The older folks are just, they often look after the kids because the yeah. only ones that have got the patience to do it. They give much more love than the parents who are running off right at that phase where they're trying to earn the money and become the whatever. So age and phase, enjoy it all. Life is messy. <laughs> And the hardest bits are going to be the biggest bits that you turn up and you get gold from. I love it. It's it's so true. And and yeah, I, I my favorite people are actually the old ladies wearing like all the the gold hats and the glitter shoes, and they're like, I don't care. Like I and they just roll in. They're like, listen, I don't care. I don't care. And that and I love that. And and I've kind of. I want to say I've gotten to that point in my life where I'm like, listen, I, I've had my midlife crisis. I've had my like, find my authentic path, like you said. And I tell people the same thing. I go, listen, what you want at 20 is going to be so different at 25 and 30 and 35. And like you said, such great advice. Like you just got to roll with it. Um, I keep telling my daughter who is a major overachiever. She's like, oh, well, what if I do this? I go, honey, just do it. The worst thing that happens, it doesn't work out the best thing it does, but you know, I, I keep telling her like, nobody cares if you get a B in algebra, nobody cares. And she's like, but I care. And I'm like, okay, well, that's the only person who cares. No one is going to look at your transcripts and go, well, I see you got to be in algebra. I don't think we can hire you, you know, but it's, it's, it's so hard for the youth to see that, you know, in that. So I love that. Now, before we go, are there any cool things going on? I want to make sure that people know where to connect. We'll obviously put all the links in, but any new events, books, anything coming up that we should tell our listeners about? Yes, absolutely. So um, I am at some of the bigger health, fitness and technology events this year. So we actually got Connected Health and Fitness coming up in Los Angeles uh, in February, which will be fantastic. I'm heading over to FIBO in Germany, uh, Performex in London. So um, if anything resonates around what I'm saying um, or what I do, I'd love to connect with you. I love ca catching up with just go-getters. And I don't care, eclectic, uh, you know, adjacent industries. I'm in health, wellness, fitness, technology. But I just love meeting women. And you'd be surprised. I usually find a way of connecting people, even though it might be very disparate industry. So got a lot of things coming up. Trouble Global, I'm working with some of the top brands around the world right now. So just anyone who needs a real kick up the butt in the luxury lifestyle space, like to go fast, creating things that perhaps have a fitness or a technology element. And I can't wait to meet you in person. I know that you've got an event coming up. I hope that we can uh, we can get together at that thing. And uh, you just check out my website. If anything uh, piques your interest, reach out. Um, I love to chat, even if it's just a quick Zoom, just to see what's going on and see if I can help in any way. But thank you so much for the guest and for the uh, cover as well.
Amazing yeah. magazine, an amazing, amazing network that you have built. Uh, thank you. Well, and for those of you listening, the February magazine coming out, we'll have Emma on it and even more of her story, plus a lot of other amazing stories of women out there. Great tips too. So I'm excited for that. Our first uh, issue out, we had over 5,000 readers. So we're really excited how it's growing and please make sure you guys sub subscribe and also share this podcast too, to any other women out there who are feeling it. You can share it with the dudes too. Uh, we, 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 we share with the guys too, like you, Emma, I love our male counterparts and we have a lot of supporters in that too so thank you so much for being on the show and as i always say live love laugh and always be your authentic self thanks for listening to lead and empower her with your host dr julie ducharme please leave your feedback and visit strategicadvisorboard.com to get the latest and greatest business advisement on the planet follow us on social media for updates and we'll see you on the next episode